Psalm 93. We're going to look at majesty. This is a uh, five-verse psalm. So, wow, what can you do with that? Five verses. So we are looking at the God of gods, the King of kings, the one who sits in glory, who has created all things. And the psalmist is looking at that saying, you know, he is impressive. And I have found him to be so impressive because I reflect on him. I, I see him in his state, in his character, in, in what he has done and how that has worked over time and how that impacts me. That reflection on him leads to a song. The Psalms are songs. So out of that comes this heartfelt uh, praising of God and, and who he is. And that's where we join the psalmist this morning in Psalm 93. So majestic majesty. Verse 1, the Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. That's his heart as he's reflecting on who the Lord is and, and who this one is, who is master of all things, the creator of all things. He's robed and clothed, and so what he, the imagery is of these in, in, in the day, the robes reflected a position. And in Isaiah 6, we, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up in the temple, and he, his robe is filling the temple as it just is enormous, which is an indication of the enormity of God and his greatness. And this majesty is being reflected here in the psalm as well. The Lord is robed in majesty, he repeats, armed with strength. When the armies would march, the king would march at the beginning of the columns at the front and lead them in. Or when they returned from battle and victory, that king would lead the army. There was uh, triumph. There was a robe. There was a crown. There was uh, the reflection of the people who were around them. And you've seen movies or read the stories, and the people are bowing they are kneeling, they are honoring the one who is coming in. They re, what they see is the majesty. And in this case, we're talking about the creator of all things who sits on the throne and he is the king and he is radiating, he is wrapped and everything around him reflects his majesty. And that's reflected here. The world stands firm. And cannot be shaken if you take that world as in the sense of that's the world in which we live where evil rules. That's not what this is talking about. The world, the earth, the arets is a solid place because God holds it together. With all of the earthquakes, all of the asteroids, all of the things that have happened on this earth, we are still here. This was written 3,000 years ago. And he said, look, it's still here then. 
3,000 years later, it's still here. It hasn't been shaken. The world is firm and not shaken because God holds it together. He's holding all of these things together. He's robed in majesty. He's the one who ought to be honored, lifted up, and remembered for all of those things. I want you to know, here's covenant God. I want you to understand that the covenant God concept is all the way through these verses. So every time you see L-O-R-D, all caps, that's reflected the name Yahweh. So this is the name of the covenant God for the people of Israel. This is the personalized, this is the name that Moses got in Exodus three fourteen when God says, I am. What am I going to tell the people? What's your name? Yahweh. So here's the name, and it's reflected each time. So Yahweh is king. Yahweh is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Not just some God, not just anybody. Yahweh, this God, the one and only creator God who is the king, Yahweh. That's what it, and it's also our connection to Yahweh, Yahweh the covenant name for God. So all the way through this, that connection, that personal relationship, the national relationship, the theological relationship, all of those things that are part of what it means to know God, to be God's people, are part of what's being said in this psalm. So the covenant God is, each time you see Lord, that's the actual word in the Hebrew is Yahweh. That doesn't mean that they mistranslated one of the practices over time among the people of Israel. As they translated the Old Testament, the name was so holy to them that to come when they came to the name, when the translators were copying, because they're doing it with a pen, you know, a quill or whatever they had to, to do this with, they're writing it, they stop before the name. They wash their hands. They go through a whole process of getting ready. Then they write in the text, and often they're substituting, like in this case, a name, because it's so holy Then they get up after they write the name and they go through the process again to continue because it is so holy. So it's not just a mistake. They didn't just slide over this and this is just keeping up with a tradition of the holiness of that name above all others. And you stop, you honor him, and then you can get on with things. But his name is majestic. You don't just pass over. Yahweh is king. He's robed in majesty. Indeed, Yahweh is robed in majesty and armed with strength. And because of that, the world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Not a passing fad. Verse 2. Your throne, Yahweh, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. He's not just coming and going. He's, he's been around and reflecting back on what he has done and how we got here, how history has formed the place that we are in matters. God has been at work for generations. He built this universe and he's placed us in it and we are recipients of all that was here. We didn't come and create anything. 
We didn't make the earth. We don't put the clouds in the sky. We didn't make the sun. He's the one who put all of that. We show up, and it's here. He has been at work, and he has been in charge, and he is accomplishing his purposes. And this is reminding us in this psalm that his throne is established. It's not fluctuating. It's not sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off. Sometimes he's in power, sometimes he's not. He is there on that throne and has been from time immemorial. He continues to be that God. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. So just understanding the timelessness of God. So you put that picture, this, this God who's created everything. He's on the throne. He's the king. He is robed in majesty. He's holding the earth. All these things are held together because of who he is who, and what he has done. Then you come upon verse 3, which is where we start finding ourselves. This is the time when, when, when we look at these things, life become, becomes very real, threatening seas. So in Psalm 93, 3, the floods have risen up, Yahweh. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. This imagery is, is huge for the people of that day. Anything related to the storms on the sea, were, were, that, was, that was just horrible. It was frightening. It was overwhelming. It was... Oh, let's take a look. Sea imagery in ancient times. Danger. If you're out on the sea, you look in the water. Now, if you're afraid of water, you know, you can just go out on the local lake and be freaked out. But if you are, you know, you can go out there and do a little bit of that. Well, like the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, they can handle that. They do that every day. Throw a storm at them. Yeah, that changes things. So, what do the depths do to you? You think of the deep water. You go out there and it's dark. You don't know what's under there. You don't know how far down it goes. It, all that matters is if it's over your head. But you start thinking, that's 200, 2,000, 20,000 feet deep. And oh my goodness. And the storms that stir it up. Well, there's a problem. Danger. That's what they saw in ancient times. Danger. Chaos. It reflected chaos, and whenever you read these things in Scripture, you're going to come up with that whole idea. It's the beast in Revelation comes out of the seas because that's where the chaos, the danger, the death, that's where it all is. Death is next, danger, chaos, death, the unknown, the monsters. Leviathan is in the depth of the sea. So in, in the... Minds of the people of that day, that's where these things lie. The, the difficulties of life is reflected in using the imagery of the storm or the floods that come up, and that's what the psalmist is saying. The floods have risen, Yahweh. It's not like he doesn't know, but just in case, the floods have risen. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. The chaos, death, it's all coming my way. Everything is after me. The pressure is on me. What am I to do? So the storms of life. Put that in the context of 
Okay, so what does that mean for us? So how's your health? You know, health. If you're feeling pain, your body's telling you something's amiss, you're going through something. If, if you have had a recent accident, you broke something, that's going to tell you health matters. People are running around trying to get health insurance, try to see the doctor. It's all these things are reflections of here, here is, is a flood that has risen up. Finances, how are you going to get the money to do whatever it is you're trying to do or what's going to happen to the finances if the economy goes sideways or since it's gone sideways, how much has my money been reduced over a period of time? And because I trust in money, then... The floods have risen, Yahweh. The floods have roared like thunder. And if you've noticed, when thunder roars, it's hard to hear anything else. It's just loud. And it keeps us off balance. And you're going, oh man, the floods have lifted the pound, their pounding waves. Consistent, bam, coming one after another, just not letting up. And you're feeling the pressure of all of this. So health or finances or work. If you have a, a job that you're doing and it's just frustrating or, or you're feeling pressure at work, then there's some of that. Or you're looking for work, that can be part of it. Or school, if you're in school and you're trying to get things done and want to finish the, a degree or get through, just get through a class or a year and you're looking for another, you know, whatever else is coming up. School can be a pressure for some. Marriage just weighs heavily on some. And to get married is, can be a, a pressure. It can be a wave. Once you're married, a whole bunch of more waves and the pounding waves and they're relentless and they're not letting up and the pressure's on. Oh, Yahweh, the waves, the storms, the pressure, pounding pressure. Family you got to get along with family, right? doesn't always work. Why not? There's these waves, these pounding waves that just won't stop. What do you do with that? Oh, Yahweh, the storms have risen up because he doesn't know. Yeah, the waves are coming. Friends, Friends one minute, not friends another. Uh, the pressure of it going well or not going in communication breaks down. And you, oh my goodness, the storms. Government, there's a pounding wave. Floods have lifted up their pounding waves. Mental strain. Mental things, emotional things, pressures that come and we internalize and then we're hurting and we're feeling it and it's holding us back. It's blocking us from things and it's, again, relentless, pounding, stormy waves. The floods have risen, Yahweh. Future is uncertain. What's coming? What's around the corner? What's next year? What do I do? How should I handle this? What is the next thing that I ought to be involved in or not involved in? Lord, what are they going to do to me? They, whoever they are. How is this going to end? 
When is it going to be resolved? It's obviously all their fault. So when, O oh Lord, Yahweh, the floods have risen. The floods have risen. And the psalmist knew that. The psalmist knew that because that's life. And then verse 4. But mightier, Yahweh's mightier, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, Yahweh above is mightier than these. Mightier than these. But God, my problem is much bigger. Come on, Lord. My problem is bigger than anything you've got. You don't feel what I feel. You don't see what I see. You don't know the pressure I'm under. You don't know how this needs to be turned around. It needed to be turned around last month, maybe last year. It just needs to stop. And you are doing nothing about it because my problem is bigger than you. And the psalmist says, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, Yahweh above is mightier than these. All of it. Any of it. Trustworthy. Verse 5, your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, Yahweh, is holy forever and ever. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, Yahweh, is holy forever and ever. He is unique. He is continuing from of old into the present into the future and he is holy unique he is different he is one of a kind he is the one on the throne he is the creator he is robed in majesty he reigns and nothing has changed and his royal laws cannot be changed and there is a uh, Middle Eastern tendency, Mesopotamian laws. If a king wrote the, wrote the law down, then that's the law. And you go through Esther and you go, oh, there's a problem here. And the problem in Esther is the king wrote a law and you, gotta, you can't change the law. And so it becomes a huge problem, which is why it's worth reading Esther because it's such a cool book and it provides a way around. And I'm not telling you what it is. So the royal laws cannot be changed. Think about that for a sec. But we're going to do immutability of God. Because he's pretty amazing. And this is one aspect that maybe you haven't thought of in a while. From Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, and I do not change. He's not changing. He, he, he is Yahweh. And he's Yahweh at the beginning, the middle, and the end. He's Yahweh, unchanging. 
from James 1, 17, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So if you go outside and you watch the tree, you watch it in the morning, check it at 7, check it again at noon, and you check it again at 7 in the evening, and the shadow is in a different place, shifting shadow. He doesn't change. He doesn't have a shifting shadow. There's no movement from one thing to another. He changed his mind or he made a mistake. He's got to go back and fix it. No, and here's why some of this is going to be helpful. God is not moody. You ever dealt with moody people? One minute they're with you, next minute they're not. You don't know which one you're dealing with. You get them up in the morning and you go, oh my gosh, you get about two hours before they're human. Then you get through that, and then you got to deal with them later. And, oh, my, they didn't have enough protein, so now they're hangry, and they're yelling at you by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, no, it's nap time, so now they're sleepy. You love moody people, don't you? Because you don't know what you got. It's changing all the time, back and forth. You go, I... You don't know what to say. You don't know what will make them happy. You try to make them happy, and that's not the thing they want, so they bite your head off. Guess who's not like that? God. It's not moody. He does not change, and he is not moody. God is not influenced by the crowd. He's not looking at Facebook to figure out which way he should go or who he should vote for. God is not influenced by the crowd because he's the Lord and he does not change. God is not good one minute and bad the next. Well, I was saying all these nice things and and 93% of the time I've said really nice things. It's just that 7% where I really just, you know, raged. Huh. If you've caught the 7%, How'd that feel? You're on the receiving end. And what if you're dishing it out? You know, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, which he will, ought you to do that and just eviscerate people? 7%. But 93%, pretty good. God's not like that. He's not good one minute, bad the next. He's God. Does not change. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is not acting by human frailties. He's not not one of us. He created us to be like him, to have character like him, to be solid, engaged in truth, righteousness, Doing good, being good. He's made us to be more like that. Not changing, not blowing up. I am the Lord and I do not change. So his reign is holy forever and ever. So what about the royal law? Because that could be problematic for... uh, for us trying to understand what is he talking about here because I like shrimp and maybe I just messed up 
And that law says I'm not supposed to have shrimp, so now I'm in big trouble. Royal law. James 2.8. Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what are you talking about, royal law? We're talking about the foundational law, the law that God has put together that has to do with him loving him. That's, that's the great commandment. We're to love him and love others. So those establishing laws are the foundation upon all everything else is built. Well, what if he does something different with Israel than he does with Christians after Jesus comes? It's not addressing ceremonial law, which is part of what he gave Israel. He took that away when it, when Christ came and and went a different direction with the church. He's got different things in different eras for different people to accomplish his purposes, which are back to the foundational. What's it like for God to love us? What's it like for us to love God? What's it like for us to love one another? We're supposed to really amp that up. How are, we, how are we supposed to love another person in Jesus? So well, let me give you a new one. Love like I do. You know, wow. Okay. That love like, you know, I'd want to be loved. That's, that's, I can kind of figure that one. But love like you do, that's, that, that's raising the bar. Yeah. Because this foundational law, the royal law, established that does not change, that is about this relationship. God created this place for this purpose. He wants us to be part of his family. He wants us to learn how to walk with him in integrity, in love with him, in love, connecting with other human beings, and eventually with the whole of God's family, the heavenly, the invisible ones to us right now, and the, the earthly, physical ones, that all of, all of us that he wants to put all that together. That's unchanging. That's the same thing. It goes all the way through. Read it all the way through the book of Revelation. He's still at work making those things happen. The other ones that are in between, yeah, those are adapted for the people and the times and the whatever the circumstances are that uh, are needed. But the royal law, as found in Scripture, stands. And we get to enjoy that. So God's laws are for the good of people. God's laws flow from his holy character. God's foundational laws carry over from the beginning to the end. God's foundational laws carry over. Your royal laws, he's trustworthy. Your royal laws cannot be changed. You reign, Yahweh holy forever and ever. So here's some ultimate, ultimate things. Yahweh is above all. Yahweh is above all. Nothing and no one is greater than Yahweh. Nothing and no one is greater than Yahweh. Yahweh is unchangeable and has established the unchangeable. Yahweh is unchangeable and has established the unchangeable. No problem or person on earth is greater than Yahweh. 
No problem or person in heaven or hell is greater than Yahweh. So what is your problem? What is your problem? What floods are greater than him? What pounding surf has taken you under? What is it that you think God has failed on where he has not known, where he has not come through, where he doesn't know how to handle something that is unique to you because your problem is greater than what he can offer. Your truth is better truth than the truth of the one who is truth. Doesn't that seem problematic? Yahweh is above all. There is no one, nowhere, no thing greater than Yahweh. And he has established all things and he is unchanging. You can trust him. Trust him in the tough times when the floods come. The floods will come. If you haven't seen one lately, just wait a couple days. It'll show up because they come. Because we need for them to come so that we are reminded that he sits on the throne, that he is robed in majesty, that he still reigns. And we need to learn to trust him no matter what. No matter what. So what is your problem? Our God is great. How about we trust him? How about we turn all that we are over to him? Allow him to show us the way, to empower us, to guide us. And let's honor him who is robed in majesty. And in every way possible, lift him up. Let's pray. Lord, we are blessed to know you. To know the one robed in majesty to know that you are not just changing, uh, shifting shadow, but you are there, you are there for us. You have a purpose in mind. You are taking us through, and your royal laws do not change because you love us, because you have more for us, because you want us to experience the fullness of life now and forever. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for allowing us to know you. Thank you for... The psalmist who you walk through some things to learn these truths and to pass them down to us. Thank you that you are at work in ways we can't even see in this day, in our time, in our lives. Lord, we look forward to seeing how this is all going to play out as we join you at the throne and we honor you and your majesty. And it is in that name that precious honored name we pray. Amen.